We can talk about anything you want as computers work i'm so excited because i I program computers for a living and i swear to god it's a miracle that they ever work i can't wrap my head around the fact that they actually work sometimes i couldn't agree more (laughs) so all right welcome to jay flaunts ignorance episode number 28 and i have with me uh, alex do you want to be called alex or alex is good all right he's from the ADA NASEC mining pool. And we're going to be talking about cryptocurrencies today. And I'm super excited that you made some time. I, from what I can tell, you are insanely busy guy. So <laughs> yeah, can be. <laughs> I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and hopefully the recording's working. And I apologize in advance if it ends up that it did not work. So, uh, yeah, I thought I'd start with a, like an extremely brief intro for non-crypto people and interrupt me whenever you want to interrupt me. I think at this point, everyone's heard of Bitcoin probably like even my parents, I took them to a Bitcoin ATM years ago and I was trying to get, Oh yeah. Do you not have Bitcoin ATMs? Oh God, no, no, that, that, that's, that's futuristic over here. No kidding. I don't think I've ever seen one. Oh yeah. So I'm in Omaha, Nebraska, which is the middle of nowhere, America, you know, in the cornfields and cows and uh, chickens and stuff. And um, the town here is about 600,000 people. So that's the largest city within a three hour drive. You know, I'm, that's how, you know, big and uh, sparsely populated it is in the middle of America. But yeah, we have a, um, a muffin shop, like they sell cookies and muffins and cakes and stuff. And it's got a Bitcoin ATM. And then we have truck stops that have Bitcoin ATMs <laughs> and That's they've been, nuts. yeah, they've been sitting there from since like 2015 probably. And the exchange rates, the fees that they charge are like really high. So I'm not recommending that people use them, <laughs> but as far as like it being a thing that exists, it's kind of cool, I guess. That's uh, insanely cool. We don't have anything like that around here. I mean, can, are you in London or where are you? Got one in London. So I'm down in Portsmouth. I was originally based, well, working in London um, and moved down here a couple of years back. So I don't know the size of Portsmouth. It's got to be more than a million people. So if you wanted to uh, drive to London, how long does that take? uh, Actually, not long at all. So uh, I often ended up visiting uh, data centers on the Isle of Dogs. And that's a a two-hour drive, um, an hour and a half, really, to get from here to London. And you have public transport that works, right? Like you have trains and such? No, don't get me started on no? our train. <laughs> the most disgusting thing on this planet. I'm, it's a disgrace. We, we have one train line that runs from Chicago to San Francisco, and it goes right past my house. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, the joke is back when my grandma was in southeast Iowa, which is like six hours east of here, if we could get her on the train, it's called Amtrak. If we could get her on the train, we could set up a net and she could jump out <laughs> and hit the net <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and be at my house. Save some fees. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so everyone's heard of Bitcoin probably. Um, uh, the term altcoins, kind of depending on who you're talking to, refers to kind of historically at least everything except Bitcoin. And um, uh, ADA in the Cardano universe correct me when i screw this up ada is the coin and cardano cardano is a whole suite of software 
an infrastructure. And I didn't know it existed last Wednesday, I think. And oh, wow. You really are new to it all then. Yeah. What, no, with Ada specifically, I'm super new. So yeah. what, what happened was I was minding my own business and I, I can't remember, like I don't, I hadn't checked my crypto in six months or something. And I looked at my balance and I'm like, what the hell? I've got a non-trivial amount of money in Dogecoin all of a sudden, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Dogecoin? What the? Because I made jokes like four years ago on other spikes that I bought twenty dollars with a Dogecoin just for fun, and suddenly I had like two hundred dollars in Dogecoin. I'm like, what is going on? And you know, last week I was like, oh my god, like this is an amount of money I actually care about. Like I need to do something because. I can't imagine Dogecoin is going to retain its value over the next 20 I mean, years. It, it, I, as I understand it, it's got no market cap and it's, it's literally built as a joke. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that it got driven up at all is, is just amazing. Yeah. It's just fun. But yeah, it's the, you, you can't really fault it. The same phenomenon as GameStop, right? I, I assume you tracked the GameStop stuff that happened. I did. It was disgusting what <laughs> the hedge funds were capable of and disgraceful, really. Um, I wouldn't say it's the same at all. I think one is a lot of fun. Perhaps it's a pump and dump and perhaps some retail guys are going to get hurt later in terms of Doge. Um, but the other one was an actual uh, clever, smart situation that someone... Um, had, deep fucking value. Oh, I, I hope I'm allowed to swear. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Apologies. Um, I believe it was the user deep fucking value off of Reddit. He posted some some actual in-depth due diligence and people got together and they said, well, yeah, this makes sense. At least originally that's how it started. And and I, I think that, yeah, you can't really compare the two. That one actually made sense. GameStop was a phenomena and it should have been a phenomena to destroy a few hedge funds, but uh, we won't get into that. Too. <laughs> yeah. So my understanding is Reddit, the a thing called wall street bets, one of the subreddits called wall street bets. Someone, the, the person you mentioned probably noticed in way more market analysis than I understand that they were super deep in shorting, like too many people had shorted the stock and that wasn't sustainable. And so they did what's called a short squeeze and then what's that called? A gamma attack or something? Gamma squeeze and then a short squeeze. But yes, uh, you're right. I don't even know what a gamma and squeeze they say is. To this, well, they say to this day, the short squeeze is not yet squeezed because there's still 100% shorts. But uh, I think the amount of capital that would be required now to push GameStop up in price enough to hurt and to effectively uh, get those hedge funds to be margin called is uh, is not insignificant. And I don't think Reddit's bunch of uh, degenerates can manage that much capital. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably the same people that moved, the Wall Street Bets people moved from GameStop over to Dogecoin, right? Isn't that? Yeah, yeah. It's probably the same group, different reasons. One must be a pump and dump as far as i can tell doge uh the other the other actually had a backing in some some smart guy figuring it out 
Yeah. So anyway, I logged in and I'm like, Dogecoin, holy crap, I have money in Dogecoin. And so I was trying to figure out, well, what do I do? And the first thing I did was I just handed out a bunch of Doge to people that I know. I'm like, hey, anybody wants Dogecoin, I'll give it to you. Because that's how I had most of my Dogecoin from six years ago. Like people just, you'd show up at meetup groups and they were like, oh, you want some Dogecoin? I'd be like, sure. And suddenly I have 10,000 Dogecoin, which is at the time was like $2, right? Um, what what kind of meetup groups do you go to that people are just handing out money? I feel like I need to hang out <laughs> in these circles. Yeah, that at the Bitcoin uh, meetup meetup dot com, the Omaha uh, Bitcoin meetup group at the time. This was years ago, back when there was no adoption and nobody knew what the hell you know us nerds were talking about. Um, yeah, they were just like, oh, you want Dogecoin? I'm like, what's that? And they're like, here, set up this wallet. I'm like, okay, here, have some Dogecoin. I'm like, what? <laughs> so now, I, <laughs> anyway, I kept moving that because I'm anal retentive enough to keep, make sure that I don't lose money, whether it's worth anything or not. So I would move it from wallet to wallet to exchange or whatever. Like I, I kept putting it somewhere where I'd remember where it was. So I, I, as far as I know, I've never lost any coin, but who knows? Um, so yeah, I was giving out uh, Dogecoin and one of my friends said, oh, hey, thanks for the Dogecoin, man. Here's $20 worth of ADA. And I said, what's ADA? This is the last, like, I don't know, Tuesday. <laughs> and that's how I ran into ADA for the first time. So <laughs> what oh, is incredible? How'd you get started in ADA? Um, how did I get started? Well, actually, I have quite a lucky, cool story. So um, my partner in NASEC Limited, Nikos, he is, um, he's a Greek guy, hence Nikos. Yep. <laughs> name. Um, well, he has a close friend who I believe is running his own pool now. Um, but he has a close friend who told him about um, Cardano. And when he told me about it last summer sometime, I sort of went away and started watching Charles's videos mostly. And I... I bought into Charles more than I did bought into um and I bought into IOHK more than I bought into Cardano at the time. And the reason for that is because Charles was saying the things that I've been saying for some time in my own life, um, that I, I don't like uh, the, the things about politics. I don't like that we're divided so harshly in this day and age, and I I don't like that um that the banks are, are essentially in full control and able to pretty much do as they please. And that there was a, a great deal that he said that spoke to me. And I, I just thought that that's, that's an ecosystem that I want to be involved in. And if I lose some money on it, who cares? Right. That's, you know, sometimes you, you chase a dream and, and that's the blessing of money. You know, you can you can chase those dreams. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's that's really what got me into it. Just a, a friend talking to his friend, telling me about it, telling me about how rigorous their their uh, research has been, and it just got me fascinated. Was that your first crypto, Ada? Or yeah. sorry, uh, well, okay. So I followed um, Bitcoin for a time way back. I remember thinking how shocking it was when bitcoin hit three hundred dollars i right. want to say ethereum at the time was around a hundred dollars 
Um, and I thought that was phenomenal. I just thought, wow, it's really peaked now. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, I have a, a systems administrator friend who was just sort of playing with it. And I, I stayed in touch with it. And um, around that sort of time, I think also was uh, when I discovered Doge. And on the Reddit or the subreddits I was on, people were just handing out Dogecoin to one another for just comments that they enjoyed. And yeah. I, I loved that atmosphere. I, I really, at the time, Doge was actually my favorite. And if I'd have bought any cryptocurrency back then, I'd have bought Dogecoin just for the comedic value of being able to <laughs> hand it out. Mm -hmm. um, uh, kind of like your meetups, but, you know, guys online. Um, but then actually getting involved seriously with a cryptocurrency, with a vision and, and trying to do something about it. Yeah, Cardano is my first. Yeah, and for people who don't know, uh, when you say Charles, you're referring to Charles Hoskinson, and he's mm -hmm. kind of the um, uh, figurehead leader, executive director of IOHK. Um, he has amazing YouTube videos where he pontificates on the good that cryptocurrency can do in the future for the world and enabling projects in Africa and all kinds of cool stuff. And he's extremely, uh, in my read on Charles, is that he really doesn't care about the money that he doesn't care about the price point anymore. He's trying to change the world. He's trying to, you know, fix societal ills. Do you think that's, that's accurate? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say that's accurate. Uh, I think his benefit in life is that, uh, as I understand it, he is rich many, many times over thanks to Bitcoin. So, um, it's a case of he's reached that level where more money doesn't mean anything to him. Maybe it means power to those of us who are truly greedy. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I genuinely believe that he's got enough money for himself personally, that he is content to spend his money and perhaps not even see a return mm. uh, just to achieve something good is what he's looking to do. And um, I hope I'm not wrong about that is the honest <laughs> yeah. So Charles was one of the eight founders of Ethereum, right? So I just mm. assumed that Charles made all of his money on Ethereum and that's why he has the, you know, the flexibility or the freedom to do what yeah. he does. As I understand it, he, well, no, he, he talks about it many times over, um, about how he rejected the founders, um, figure of ethereum that was being handed out i believe it was about two hundred thousand ethereum for being a founder of ethereum they were just giving it to each of the founders and i the reason that i believe he was wealthy off of bitcoin is because he rejected that figure two hundred thousand um... ethereum today that's a lot of money <laughs> And he doesn't seem to care. I, as I understand it, he tried to give that money or gave that money to his uh, PA. <laughs> My God. Wow. I know. That's a payday. <laughs> got, the, got the wrong job. <laughs> I know. You and me both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another thing we might want to explain to people who have never heard of this stuff is the proof of work versus proof of stake split. And one of the reasons I'm really excited about ADA as opposed to Bitcoin is I've been proof of stake excited since like 2015 or something when one of the um, people that were coming to the, the Bitcoin meetups in Omaha 
um, was one of the developers of mobile apps for Blackcoin. And Blackcoin at the time was the original, the only proof-of-stake coin uh, out there. And I can't tell if Blackcoin is still a viable thing moving forward. I still have some. But um, when I found another proof-of-stake coin, this time ADA, I was really excited because I despise the waste of electricity. Like the, um, for people who don't know, Bitcoin and other proof of work coins are based on um, intentionally burning tons of CPU or ASIC capacity, which means electricity in the process. In proof of stake coins, 99% of that goes away. Is my understanding correct me? Um, yeah, and, no, absolutely. Yeah. So proof of stake is not driving global warming the way that proof of work does. And the, the counter argument I get to that all the time is, do you have any idea how much energy the Visa network burns? And I'm like, well, yeah, but the Visa network is burning that not intentionally on purpose, doing a bunch of math that actually doesn't produce anything. The Visa network is doing that because they're doing, you know, 7 million transactions a second all over the globe. And that's how much value. Exactly. Right. They're not doing it <laughs> because they're not. They haven't gone and written a wild true loop and then just let their computers <laughs> run forever. Right. So that's the difference between proof of stake and proof of work. And why and Ada shifted from what was the one before Shelley? Uh Byron. Byron. So now I know almost nothing. So now I'm hand waving hard over here. Um <laughs> but my understanding is um years ago. Um, that the ADA has transitioned to proof of stake over time, and now it's a proof of stake coin completely. Is that right? Um, truth be told, I couldn't answer that a hundred percent. It is proof of stake now. Um, whether or not it was always in the past, uh, couldn't honestly answer. I thought I saw somewhere that Shelley was the transition to proof of stake, but maybe I maybe I'm screwing that up. But. Perhaps, uh, I, as I understand it, Shelley is the the transition to a distributed proof of stake system, whereby stake pool owners aren't just IOHK. Um, ah. Now, what whether or not it did start as, excuse me, proof of work, um, may well have been the case. I couldn't tell. I couldn't answer. To be fair. <laughs> sure. Okay. So so now maybe everybody knows what ADA is in Cardano. And now we should probably talk about NASEC, which is your ADA mining pool. And you have a amazing, the way that I discovered you was you have these great videos on YouTube where you, let's see, how would I, how would I put this? Um, a lot of cryptocurrency is full of these, you know, hype train crazies that are just yeah. screaming at the top of their lungs that we're all going to be billionaires and, you know, buy private jets. And I go, huh, well, if I'm going to be an ADA, I'm, I want to support the ecosystem. I want to support the community. 
I want to run an ADA node because for years, like a friend of mine was doing like Raspberry Pis, where he would ship you a Raspberry Pi for the Bitcoin network years ago, and it would be a full node on a Raspberry Pi, and it would help support the network just by being there. And you were never going to make any money because you were never going to win any rewards, but the fact that it was sitting on the network made the network healthier was my understanding. And I liked doing stuff like that. I liked having these little boxes that are whirring away, um, wasting electricity, but <laughs> the proof of work or sorry, proof of stake wasn't really an option at the time. If I recall, except for black coin, which is a whole nother thing. But my friend that did the raspberry Pis wasn't into proof of stake. So <laughs> he didn't have a black coin, uh, raspberry Pi I could just buy off him. So. How how is Blackcoin doing today? Is this a is that still a? I don't know much about anything beyond the top ten coins. Maybe yeah. How is Blackcoin doing today? Is it still alive and kicking? Well, I think it's pretty flat. They've lost most of their main devs, is my understanding. So it's as far That's as I know, it's stable and it's out there and it exists. But I can't tell that anyone is actively working on improving it or you know making it better for the future or anything um yeah so i was never a black coin developer and i've never been a mobile developer so the the guy that i met that was the black coin mobile developer i never had the skill set to try to help him do what he was doing uh so i didn't really get deep into uh that whole universe but uh, yeah, I've still I've still got some. So if it goes to the moon, <laughs> anyway, your YouTube videos very reserved. Like I, I was like, okay, well, how do I start a? Uh, how do I support the network? I'll run a node. I'll run an ADA node, no problem. And you have a specific YouTube video that it will send everybody to in the show notes. Should you start a Cardano stake pool in 2021? And I watched that, and my mind was just blown because hype is not your brand. Uh, and you were saying things like, look, um, the technology is easy. The marketing is hard. And I'm like, what, why, what's marketing have to do with anything? And you explained why that is. And, uh, I don't want to make you repeat yourself. I'm going to say, Hey, everybody go watch that video, but you run the, a specific mining pool and it's called NASEC. And everyone who owns ADA coins anywhere in the world can delegate their coins to support you or support the NASEC mining pool. And um, and so all the ADA I own is being delegated to NASEC specifically. And it's a growing community and you've got a Telegram channel. And I've had a lot of fun in that Telegram channel just seeing people, different people have very different perspectives on things. And uh Yeah. Any, any yeah. reflections on all of that or did I, did uh, I catch your tone? No, correctly? No. I, I think you, <laughs> I think you, you summarized it really well. Um, so uh, that, yeah, no, the channel's been, been the most entertaining part of it all really. Uh, YouTube's very one way for me. You know, I, I sit there and I monologue and I, I feel bad for anyone who really, who's had to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got, so yesterday I think there were 200,000 more ADA delegated to the NASEC mining pool. And that's a big deal, yeah. isn't it? Like, wasn't that it's a lot? It's a huge deal for us. It's So at the time, we had about 150,000 delegated ADA. Um, the, uh, the, the fact that it's over doubled has over doubled our chances. We've moved from about an, I want to say about 10% chance of mining a block 
per epoch. Now, an epoch is a period of time, um, so, uh, five days, basically. And uh, during that time, you win rewards. If you win rewards during that time, it gets split amongst the delegators of the pool. Um, and we moved from a 10% in every five days to about 25% now. So we should be mining blocks at least once every four epochs. So every 20 days is the hope. That's that's how <laughs> the luck. statistics play out right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was enormous for us. Um, and it's not the first time it's happened. Um, we've had delegators with a million ADA before. They didn't stay for long. They delegated it and then uh, promptly took it away before it even registered for the epoch. Um, we've had delegators with 250,000 ADA drop it in before, uh, or 200,000 perhaps. And um, that's one of the hard things about being a, a stake pool owner. That's why you've got to, that's why I started the community because these people, they were delegating for, for reasons such as they were, um, they, they appreciated articles that we put out and research that we'd put in. And uh, that that was about it. They didn't have enough of a connection to think, look, this is someone I want to support for the long term. And that's perhaps what I'm hoping to get more so from the channel now. So help me understand that. If, if I had a million ADA, which is now almost a million dollars, so trust me, I do not yeah. have that kind of money. But if I did and I delegated to your pool and your pool starts winning blocks and I get, I'd get the vast majority of Absolutely. the rewards. So why would I leave? Like, wouldn't I want to be in a small pool where I get most of the rewards from the small pool? So it's luck based and that's where no one, no one enjoys being in a small pool. People like, constant small amounts of money it's why people work for other people as day jobs rather than just everyone freelancing if you freelance you can get paid a massive lump sum um but it's irregular now the problem with small pools like nasec you'll you'll get a um you'll get a massive proportion of the rewards gosh if you if you dumped a million ada and now oh, let's say you dumped 600 60,000 in now that would bring the whole pool to a million you'd get 66% of the rewards um so yeah uh, the reason they don't do it is simply because you're not mining enough blocks to or regularly mining enough blocks for them to see ah i get 5 aid at this epoch good you know they don't feel satisfied um and most people see, I got nothing. Okay, I'm leaving. Uh, that's that's how I think it goes, really. So when I go to adapools.org, I can see all the statistics and all these fancy graphs and everything of every single mining pool. Mm. And I've seen that luck statistic charted <laughs> on all the line graphs, but I have no idea what that means. What Can you explain luck to me? What does that mean? So we're talking about percentages, but the truth is it's... It's the same as rolling a, a dice. Um, your your odds are one in ten. Well, we're one in ten at the moment this epoch. And uh, did we roll a ten this epoch? Did we get that 
ability to mint a block? No, no, we didn't. And if we do, uh, if we pass through 10 epochs, is there a guarantee that we'll get a, an, a block to mint? No, no, you can, you can roll a one at 10 times in a row and uh, you wouldn't even need to, you can roll one to nine, 10 times in a row and we'd still never mint a block. You know, we need that 10 out of 10. We need that one in 10 opportunity. Um, so that's what luck's really talking about. The chances based on how much pledge and, uh, and how much delegation you've had um, and how lucky you've been with that delegation. So it's a, it's a complicated thing. I'm afraid. <laughs> so there's 1300 active pools, right? And there's so many blocks per Epic. Is it not randomly selected for everyone over a certain threshold of staking? It's randomly selected for everyone, uh, no matter what their delegation, so long as it's one, I guess. Um, but it's based on the total amount delegated and your, uh, your pool's current total delegation within that. So you're sort of vying. The larger your pool is, the more blocks will be delegated or will be, you'll be selected as the slot leader to mint. Um, that's really how it works. Okay. So the, the, it is just pure statistics based mm -hmm. on how, how much you're delegating plus staking. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I thought I thought maybe there was another one of these K factors or something that I don't understand that it wasn't just no. statistics. <laughs> no, the the problem with uh well, it's not really a problem. The fact of life is sometimes it comes down to luck. And if an RNG generator is giving you zeros every time, well, that's just bad luck. <laughs> yeah. So I was in the data dataless wallet, which is one wallet software that you can get. Um, I'm a big fan of the Yori wallet, which is a Chrome extension. So you can just go mm -hmm. click, click, and five seconds later, you can create your Yori wallet and you're done. Um, the Daedalus wallet, you're downloading eight gigabytes or something of blockchain before you can create your wallet and then do your delegation. So if you want to run a, so at that point you're running a node, right? Yeah. And you, you are supporting the health of the network if you run the Daedalus wallet, which is a full node. Or is it well, not actually as I helping? Understand it, yeah. As I understand it, yes, it is helping to um, maintain a, a record of the um, of the entire network. I don't believe you act as a witness, but uh, don't quote me on that one. I couldn't be certain. What's a witness um, do again? So the witnesses are the the people, or the I believe it's just the stake pools that say yes, this transaction has occurred, so that no one. Uh, is able to perform a double spend to say I've spent this money twice. Um, at which point the entire entire cryptocurrency fails and everyone runs for the exits. Uh, <laughs> if that ever occurs, uh, I believe to date it's not occurred. Um, but yeah. that's that's a fear. <laughs> There have been tons of hacks on tools and there have been famous attacks on exchanges, but mm -hmm. the base protocols of Bitcoin, et cetera, I don't think have ever been compromised no. so far. Not, no proof has been given that any of them have been compromised. 
And given the fact that they've grown this large, if they have been compromised, wow, it's going to be a big tumble down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is 1.8 trillion is the total market cap of all crypto or something? Yeah. If yeah. you're able to perform a double spend, you're essentially making money out of nothing. Uh, you can just double any amount of money that you've got. And uh, at that point, everything is worthless. Um, yeah. But the entire the entirety of the cryptocurrency is worthless, really. And I thought I saw Bitcoin is 64% of market dominance. So Bitcoin, the one coin Bitcoin, has 64% mm. of all the money in it. Oh, yeah. And then the other 2,000 coins <laughs> are the other 33%. Yeah, I think, something I like think that. you've understated that. I think there's like 9,000 coins Is or there 9,000? Okay. <laughs> wow. I'm, using, I'm looking at the wrong websites. <laughs> so anyway, the Daedalus wallet that I installed, and it took a long time, and my my uh, laptop almost melted because the CPU fans spin up, and you know it's really mad. Um, anyway, once it's running and you've downloaded the entire thing, it's it's fine. And then inside the Daedalus wallet, you can say, oh, hey, I want to support the NASEC mining pool. So you go in to delegate to the NASEC mining pool, and I wasn't getting NASEC. I searched for NASEC, and it wasn't listed there. And you found a problem in a JSON file and fixed that, like, yesterday? Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. It's embarrassing. It, that that was the case for a week, nearly, uh, if I'm correct, when you first reported it, Jay. Is that correct? It was almost a week before you reported it. Um, I, I like to flaunt my own ineptitude. <laughs> Thursday, maybe? I don't, I don't remember. I think Thursday. Okay, maybe. not quite a week. But um, yeah, it was a period of time. Oh, this it is Thursday. It's out. been a week. Holy crap. Oh, it has. I'm a veteran oh, now. Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was awful. Um, one of the files that you create when you are creating your uh, your state pool is called a pool uh, metadata.json file. And you have to host that somewhere. Um, so when you're creating your pool's operational registration certificate, you state that this is the URL that that uh, metadata can be read from. And you can go to https column forward slash forward slash nasec.co.uk forward slash pool capital M for metadata.json. And you can read our metadata and that is actually utilized within the blockchain. Um, there's a hash to make certain that that JSON hasn't been changed maliciously. So you perform a hashing algorithm to determine its uh, the fact that it's um, valid. And uh, basically what had happened with ours um, was that there's a couple of key values. You can give ticker, which is NASEC for us, and uh, you can also give name. Now, what I had done, basically I'd originally created it uh, the name as NASEC1. And I thought, look, I'm never going to have NASEC2. I, I'm just used to naming web servers, web1, web2, web3. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it's just a force of habit as a, as a systems engineer at times. So 
I thought that looks awful. I look like I'm preparing for my second one. <laughs> so I went in and changed it. And I changed it to the same name as the ticker. I redid the hash, resubmitted my pool registration certificate, thought no more of it. You reported the problem and I thought that just doesn't make sense. And what I did was I managed to notice that in Daedalus, um, it was still reporting the old name, NASEC1. Well, that sucks. So <laughs> I tried changing it, and it turns out you cannot have the same name as your ticker symbol. Um, I haven't found it documented anywhere. And that's the problem with uh, <laughs> crypto. It's, it's very difficult. The documentation is slack at best. And... Um, yeah, so you can't have the same name as your ticker symbol, and it busted the entirety of uh, NASEC appearing in Daedalus as a wallet. Um, it also busted after you had um, staked to NASEC in Uroi. It started, um, it basically just vanished the name into oblivion and just gave your pool ID. Um, so it was a really nasty bug, and I, I really appreciate everyone for helping me debug it because I wasn't experiencing it myself. It, is um, it pronounced Uroi? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, Uroi. Okay. So, but I didn't have a problem in Uroi when I did the Chrome extension Uroi wallet. I searched for NASEC. It popped right up. I clicked the button, and boom! I was delegated to you. In that case, I wonder if it's the mobile app for Uroi. Oh, I had. That. Yeah, I've not tried that. I was on Mac OS Chrome, Chrome extension. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Probably another bug for me to deal with at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Never ends. God, I hate computers. <laughs> you and me, sorry. <laughs> um, so let me see if I understand that. When you create a mining pool, so you create NASIC, the process of declaring that a mining pool, your mining pool exists into the blockchain goes immutable information about your mining pool and included in that immutable information is a URL and a checksum, right? Indeed. And then on that URL, whatever web server, wherever that's hosted or whatever, that file you could change, but that'll make the checksum fail. So you exactly. can't change it. So how did you can't you... change it without uh, resubmitting uh, an update to your uh, pool registration certificate? Oh, which does go in the blockchain. Yes, exactly. So you're not changing the historic data. You can go in there and find the historic data of what I've previously submitted. I think there's about three records for NASEC. Um, but... Um, yeah, you need to, you can resubmit new information and it takes the newest information as the valid one. Okay. Um, so in a blockchain explorer, I can see that the definition of NASEC has changed three times or whatever over time. And you had to both fix the JSON file and get that update into the blockchain with the new checksum. Exactly. You've got it. Got it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> And maybe that ties into all my questions about smart contracts because smart contracts just blow my mind. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't know. So like, can you, maybe you can explain smart contracts to me. So, so I watch all these tutorials where people set up 
um, all this, you know, smart contract stuff, which is like software that runs inside um, the blockchain. So these smart contracts are like bits of code, which says, Hey, if this happens, do this. And if this happens, do this. And it's immutable and it's in the blockchain forever. And so nobody can change it and you can trust it and all that stuff. And this guy is running a, uh, a, a personal trainer business, right? So he's the personal trainer. He wants to invoice people. And if he has rules in there that say things like, okay, look, if you keep the appointment, I get the full amount of payment. Great. If you cancel the appointment, there's a 20% fee for you have rescheduling or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And if you no show, then this this happens. And if I if I ask to reschedule, you don't pay at all or something like that. I can't remember. So anyway, there's all yeah. these rules. It sounds fine. It sounds like okay, great. We've got, you know, a little quicken rule set here, right? And it's in the blockchain. What I don't understand is how can you ever trust that somebody is still is not messing with the system. So like how what like his customers, right? I assume will have an app on their phones which is the schedule with the trainer app, right? It's like, hey, I want to I want to work out with Bob on Thursday or whatever his name was. And they push buttons, right? Because they're customers and he's the yeah. owner of the business and so he has a dashboard which shows his schedule and he can push buttons on his phone. Is that how it would work? Like on my phone hey, or my laptop um, or whatever? I'm about to really disappoint your listeners because I'm about <laughs> to tell you that either um, I don't understand smart contracts as well as I think I do, or I think that's a terrible use case for a smart contract because as I understand it, you need to have a a third party feeding in um, whether or not you showed up for that gym session. Yeah, And if you don't have an impartial third party that's capable of doing that, then why the hell is anyone going to ever have any faith in the smart contract any more than any other system? Yeah. Um, I, I could accidentally you, push the button or maliciously push the wrong button and lie yeah, about absolutely. it. I, exactly. No one ever showed up. Bam. I get paid for everyone. What's, what's stopping him doing that? I don't understand. Okay. I don't think that's a good use case. Um, this, this is excellent I, because that was, I'm like, what, how could this possibly work? <laughs> I, you and me both. I mean, we're both tech guys. If neither of us get it, now I'm concerned. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so, so many people are so excited about smart contracts, and and so there's and I am too. Well, well, okay. Give right. give you give me a use case then, and those, we'll see if I can wrap my head around it. Well, I, I think you'll be able to get this one. So um, the one that I've heard, which makes sense to me, is that you've got an insurance company, and you're a farmer who's insuring your crops against some heat wave or some sort of act of God, which obviously you typically can't insure against, but let's just say that you can. And um, that farmer is, uh, it goes to the blockchain, pays for his insurance on the blockchain. Now, the uh, there is an Oracle feeding in weather data for areas all around the country. An oracle? What's an and oracle? So an oracle is a a tool. Um, it's a system set up to feed in data into the blockchain that smart contracts can interact with. Um, okay. So in this case, it would be feeding in perhaps the temperature 
and the temperature of the local area to that farmer. Um, in theory, if you have the whole country covered within five miles, you can insure the whole country using the smart contract. So let's say that the, uh, you have a bad spell of weather and it, it hits 40 degrees Celsius, your crops are dead. But you don't have to wait for the insurer to say, um, yeah, yeah, you, you definitely deserve to be paid out. As I understand it, the smart contract would say, ah, from this API data that's being fed in by this third party that is trusted mutually between uh, us, the insurer, and them, the client, um, we can see that it hit 40 degrees. And therefore, if int is greater than 40, pay out. So, so let me and, put it. Let me put a spin yeah, on that. Sure. My uncle is a crop doctor. That's the name of his business: is crop doctors. <laughs> so, what he does for a living, or used to, he's retired now. But what his assistants now do <laughs> is they go out in fields and they look at damage from windstorms, from ice storms, from uh, deer. You know, deer will lay down in crops and destroy the crops, etc. Maybe right. a smart contract system could be set up where the farmer and the insurance company both agree that my uncle is a trusted arbiter of damage. And therefore, mm -hmm. they go into a smart contract on the blockchain where that money is locked up in quote-unquote escrow and the keeper of the report is my uncle, say, if they both trust him. Mm -hmm. Is is that the scenario? So like my uncle would have the power to push a button declaring that X acres was wind damaged. And when he pushes that button instantly, I'm using air quotes instantly, <laughs> bam, the farmer is paid on that insurance claim because they both trust him to make the call about uh, damage. Is that a viable so, use case? I don't know is the honest answer to that one. You've added in a third party that is a human and that is a variable <laughs> because humans are variable. Um, as I have always understood it thus far, it's typically used by uh, things that can be measured by metrics such as uh, the distance that a hurricane was reported to be from or that uh, that was in an area or a uh, a temperature measurement from a sensor that is being reported into the blockchain. Um, yours would be a more complex smart contract, but I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be reasonable to to use it hmm. as a as long as you have a truly trusted third party. I think the um, the insurance companies might get a bit scared when lots and lots of money is involved, and your 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 uncle knows the client, and you know that's where the human element becomes untrustworthy, and that's what I think we're looking to do away with with smart contracts. But yeah. I'm no expert, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, and the and the the fact that it had 40 degrees Celsius doesn't necessarily mean the crop was 
damage. Well, I, I don't know. I use yeah. Fahrenheit, so maybe it does. Maybe it does guarantee <laughs> that the crop is <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what Celsius is. <laughs> no, I wouldn't worry about it. So, um, But, I mean, it, it seems to me for, like, smart contracts to really be viable in the real world, you're going to have to have human actors eventually that people trust because otherwise mm-hmm. – all no, you can do right. is like sports betting. Like you could do sports betting. Like if everyone agrees that ESPN never screws up when they're reporting the the final score of a game, you know, then yeah, you can smart contract the, to death using ESPN as your oracle for gambling mm-hmm. purposes. But like in every other con- contract scenario, trust scenario, you either have to trust humans or you don't. And like currently, like if if I buy something off of uh, uh, Amazon or I, I buy something off of eBay, right? I send my full amount of money to them and they have my money, right? And yeah. they can mail me nothing or an empty box or whatever. And the only, the only quote guarantee, end quote, like the only level of um, – comfort that I have is based on their history, their historical reputation of not, you know, screwing over other customers. And so I have a trust, I'm trusting in the wisdom of the crowd over this vendor has done a thousand transactions in the past and no, and the complaint rate is really low. Right. Like, yeah, like, absolutely. like I really don't. So like the maker, are you familiar with the maker DAO at all? That entire ecosystem of maker DAO? I've heard of it, but no, honestly, afraid yeah. not. My, my understanding is the MakerDAO is what split Ethereum and Ethereum Classic because MakerDAO screwed up, and half the Ethereum community said, "Oh my God, they made such a huge mistake that we need to roll back the blockchain." And the Ethereum people said, "That's wow. fine," and they rolled back the blockchain. <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> and the Ethereum Classic people said, "Over my dead body, <laughs> if yeah, you want to fork." Law. Yeah, if you want to fork the chain, there's nothing stopping anyone from forking any chain ever. But, you know, now how Ethereum Classic had to rebrand themselves because they refused to change the quote-unquote immutable blockchain. (laughs) I I don't know why that's not Ethereum and that, you know, I don't know why the original. I have no idea. That's bonkers, isn't it? How, How is it that they lost out in that deal? So my understanding of MakerDAO is it's this entire ecosystem of um, loan uh, management, and there's like three coins involved, and the interest rate fluctuates based on how trustworthy the recent loans have been, and blah blah. You know, it's this huge space, and it's all smart contract. It's like smart contracts to the moon, you know. And um, I understand how that can work because all you ever care about is checking balances of addresses, right? And the blockchain's immutable, and you can check balances of addresses on the immutable blockchain itself. So, yeah, you could smart contract that to death. But other than shuffling coins around, I I was really struggling to understand smart contracts. I'm in the same boat. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, I watch these YouTube videos, and everyone's hyped uh, hyped about smart contracts. And I'm sitting there going, okay, either I'm stupid or I just, I, I don't get the hype because uh, anyway, so. <laughs> well, you say that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm in this ecosystem. I'm very invested in this ecosystem in terms of my, my personal net wealth. A significant proportion now with Cardano's recent increases is now tied up uh, in 
in crypto. So obviously I wanted to succeed, but let me say that the best smart contract video that I've seen so far is if you just go uh, search on YouTube for smart contracts, you get a video along the lines of why smart contracts are never going to work or be useless. <laughs> oh no, sorry, that's decentralized applications. My apologies. But uh, it's it's why decentralized applications will never be useful to anyone, essentially. <laughs> that's amazing. As the best that one I've seen on it, by far. <laughs> that sounds like a video you would make and put on your YouTube channel. That's your tone, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, because I, I, I don't care about all this craziness. You know, I'm, I, yeah, I can't deal with the to, moon, to the moon people. They drive me nuts. <laughs> oh boy. So, what about uh, ETH tokens? I hear that's like billions of dollars flowing around. So you can have like electronic trading cards and cat emojis yeah. that you own and like Fortnite skins or something that's so, like there's billions of dollars i don't understand hey you and me both again okay. uh, we've got erp20 <laughs> tokens coming this hard fork which according to charles hoskinson again the, the uh, current ceo of iohk the people developing cardano um he said that we're looking at march 1st probably for the hard fork to occur at which point all these tradables, these unique uh, one-off items are going to be capable of moving from the Ethereum network over to Cardano. Why? And well, because ERC-20 is a protocol, much like BGP, um, you can hook a Cisco router to a Juniper router. As long as they're both talking BGP protocol, they can talk to one another just fine. Um, but why, why do so, people care again? Like, I'm old. I guess I don't get it. Like, I don't understand <laughs> Beanie Babies either. Well, the notion is you can take... Well, why do people care? People in Cardano care because they're thinking, oh, all those Beanie Babies that exist over on <laughs> Ethereum's network, they can now natively come over and sit on Cardano's network. And it, it's a native transaction from one to the other. Um, because the protocol is just a plain protocol. So huh. you might end up with a the start of an exodus from Ethereum over to Cardano come March 1st. And realistically, why are people excited? People are excited because they're hoping the price is going to go up. <laughs> That's okay. the fact of the matter. So there's, um, a, there's an example of not the tech, but the money, <laughs> maybe. Too right. Too right. Well, ERC-20 tokens are interesting. I don't know enough about them because they don't exist in the Cardano ecosystem yet. You know, I, I'm really basing my knowledge off of a single ecosystem for the most part. And um, because things change between blockchains and God, there's there's so much to learn in, in this space anyway, let alone about all these thousands of <laughs> altcoins I could never keep up. Um, yeah. But it, it's an exciting time. It, it, let's see how many people are prepared to move off of Ethereum. As I understand it, they a lot of these ERC-20 tokens are tied into smart contracts anyway, which Cardano, again, this is a hard fork to provide capability of ERC-20 tokens existing natively on the Cardano network. But if there's no smart contract to use them, they're worthless on that. So they're never going to leave Ethereum. 
I I wonder if any will move across. I'm I'm assuming some will for the sake of saying that they're the first, you know, the first movers. But if you can't interact with them with a smart contract on the Cardano network, I guess anyone that's using a smart co- contract and ERC20 tokens, they're not going to be migrating. Um, so it's interesting. <laughs> it's a you, halfway house. When you say hard fork, you're not talking about the blockchain, correct? I am talking about the blockchain. Um, Tell me about Cardano that because I has, thought blockchains were sacred. They are sacred. <laughs> there is a very clever protocol that IOHK, and I forget the name. They're, they have names for all of their fantastic uh, uh, different algorithms and um, protocols. And they have a design for a hard fork. I believe it's called their hard fork combinator. Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong. And uh, basically what it allows you to do is uh, you have a hard fork event, but uh, no one notices it. It's a blip. It's just simply, it happens in the background. It changes, I believe, between the epochs. Um, a hard combin- uh, a, blip, a hard fork event is triggered one epoch before and then the next epoch boom you're on to the next uh train of of the protocol and um so so no one actually sort of divides up and goes their own way it's just an ability to change the code fundamentally and yet keep everything immutable right so no history changes no but the 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 blockchain hard forks because there's a new version of all the software that interacts with the blockchain, which understands new rules about how to interact with the blockchain. Yeah, exactly. A new feature set. So when, when you're trying to analyze the entire blockchain, which in the case of ADA, I don't know when it, what year it started, any software that needs to understand from the beginning of time will have to have every single iteration of the software rules as they've changed over time in order to understand history. Yeah. Uh, pass. I <laughs> think the answer is no, quite simply. Really? Um, well, if you download and install, I, I have a video on the Gra- uh, GraphQL Cardano node that, uh, that they've built. Um, what that does is it's a tremendous tool. It gives you a PostgreSQL, uh, PostgreSQL even, uh, database that you can query natively in just SQL. And you can retrieve from that all the data off of the blockchain in just native SQL. Oh, yeah. I think, I think I've confused myself because after a fork, no one will ever want to or care to add to the blockchain that's now the rules of adding a block are dead. Mm. So you're, you're never trying to add a block three years ago. So you don't need those no. rules. Exactly. And, and everyone yeah. can stare at the data. You can see what happened at the time, but there, there would be you no reason unless you're an archeologist, some kind of crypto archeologist. There's no reason to ever, <laughs> 
try no, to absolutely. pretend that, oh, hey, if I was to fork the chain five years ago using the software from five years ago, then I need the software from five years ago. That's Indeed. interesting. Huh. What, are, what are your thoughts on hardware wallets? Fancy for rich people. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I really like the notion of them. Uh, the, the truth is I don't own any because uh, they're expensive. And although I have a significant amount of money now tied up in these <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, yeah, I know. It's it's insane. It's like uh, watching one of those kids who got became a millionaire off of, uh, off of Bitcoin decades ago and you, or a decade ago. And you think to yourself, what? what's just happened here but um i'm far from that but just seeing such a vast amount of money appear i'm using usb sticks multiple multiple usb sticks don't get me wrong and uh, <laughs> uh safe uh, i have a safe in a location where i have a paper wallet as well to retrieve my my wallet and um yeah it's just a it's not something I've interacted with and it just looks so fancy. I am kind of thinking of buying one as a treat to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, my, my bias is I hate all hardware. I assume that every ooh. piece of touchware, every piece of hardware is going to fail right now. Agreed. That That's Agreed. my and relationship that, with hardware. That's the, that's the fear, isn't it? So if you've, if you've only got one of that device, realistically, you're just sat there reliant on essentially your paper wallet again right because i assume you've got a paper wallet backup you're not mad <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't think we talked about these sorts of things <laughs> but yes <laughs> I, I, hypothetically it's possible that i have cold storage capacity yes cold storage capacity is a good thing <laughs> Right? And I recommend cold storage everywhere. <laughs> well, I, I have a very good influence in my life who is very much, what the hell are you doing? You cannot trust Coinbase with that. You need to. <laughs> and rightly so. Rightly so. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully if I, well, when at some point I try to uh, pull that back out, it'll still work. Otherwise, I will be a sad boy. So. We'll see. You should always, every six months or so, type in your recovery phrase into Daedalus. You can test that it will work. <laughs> ah, yeah. Now, this is an old school uh, wallet with just the private key is printed on oh, paper. And I don't have passphrase. Uh, okay. I mean, I... Wow. Good for you. Well, it's uh, bravery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it good for me? we'll see they make these really cool sleeves that are fireproof and waterproof <laughs> so oh my knows? god really yeah that's, that's really cool awesome. i was watching these videos on youtube where the guy was testing them and so he takes a blowtorch to it for you know rated for however many seconds blah 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 and then he sinks it you know up to a depth of 10 meters <laughs> for so no so way. many days blah, blah 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 and tests these various sleeve things so you know, because... Why the hell are we talking about hardware wallets? I want some of those. Those things sound awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, another cheap. I'll send you the link. So it only cost me like fifteen bucks. On uh, I got two for the price of one or whatever, and they were highly rated. So yeah, I was shocked that the, this guy literally had a blowtorch on this thing, and cosmetically destroyed 
but then he opens it up and he pulls out paper, just raw paper, and he's like, "Yep, not wet, Amazing. not singed, not even browned. It's great." So, I don't even know if I believe it. I'd have to buy two, one so that I can destroy it and, and test it. <laughs> that specific, and, and the other is a, a real one because yeah. I don't. There's so many lies on the internet these days. More, <laughs> more lies than anything else. But I'll send you the YouTube, Alex. There's a video. Oh yeah, the YouTube problem <laughs> solved. <laughs> exactly. So I'm gonna burn one of them. But it's a trusted oracle called YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah. Uh, the hardware wallet thing scares me, but who knows? All right. If ADA didn't exist, what else in crypto is interesting? Like say. Say the entire ecosystem that you've spent most of your time in wasn't around. Are there other uh, coins doing things that you find interesting? Um, if you want what's most interesting, Ethereum is more interesting than Cardano today, without a doubt, because what? it's doing stuff, because it's further along. It's It's got the smart contracts. It's got people developing on it. If, if you think Cardano, if anyone thinks Cardano is more interesting in in the sense of providing value or something. I, I think they'd be wrong right now. I think it's it's setting out and it, it's set out and on its way to perhaps catch up to and overtake Ethereum. But I think Ethereum's more interesting. I think there's stuff going on there. I think that's real value to the world. And and so yeah, I guess Ethereum would get my vote. Hmm. I hate Ethereum because I'm a C, I'm a PC gamer. And I blame mm. Ethereum for making old graphic cards cost $600. So, so there's my bias against Ethereum. I agree with you. And <laughs> I recently, as in literally about three weeks ago, my PC died. And I too am a PC gamer. And I thought, oh, I'll just buy PC parts. And everyone was telling me, well, good luck because <laughs> everything is backed up due to COVID and all the graphics cards are gone because of all of the mining that's going on with Bitcoin hitting new all-time highs. Yeah, well, Bitcoin is so on all ASIC chips, up, right? Yeah. Like nobody's doing GPU Bitcoin mining anymore. It's it's wildly inefficient. Well, it is wildly inefficient, but apparently due to the fact that Bitcoin is now at such a price point. Uh, it's actually become a thing again. Oh, no. And people are, yeah. It's reached a price point of such high valuation that it makes sense that you can go back to mining with your GPU. Okay, we're going to cut this part of that out of the episode. I can't have people <laughs> driving. <laughs> I just want to play Call of Duty, man. I don't want to pay $1,200 well, for this stupid video I card. Like my... I don't know what you've got. I've got a te uh, 1660 uh, NVIDIA. And it's like that sort of mid-range card before the 1000 series or maybe between the 1000 series. I've it's a, a really great card. I've got a 1070 Ti from two years ago. Oh, why are you complaining? Well, it <laughs> That's hasn't... a fantastic card. Yeah, no, I'm not, com I'm not complaining other than I can't get more frames per second without spending $1,800 to get like 5% more frames per second. And I'm like, what? Because yeah. I'm old as hell. Like I'm twice your age. <laughs> and it used to be that you could spend $200, get an amazing video card and it would be great for like five years. And then five years later, you'd spend another $200 and it would be 10 times faster, like huge. 
And now, you know, like my brother's got a video card that's like five years old and it's still $450. It's crazy. That's mad. Let me tell you more about the good old days back in my... (laughs) 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 Old man shakes his fist at cloud. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy kids. All right. If cryptocurrency didn't exist, what else do you do with your time? Um, So I like cybersecurity, but... I I like computer networks typically, um, and I I love playing around building tools for automating computer networks. Very sad life I lead. Lots of computers in it. Um, and if it wasn't for computers, I'd go and be a chef. Really? Hell yeah! I love nice. food. Food is awesome. Um, and I I have a public service announcement to everyone out there. If you have a dull knife um, in your kitchen and you're thinking about replacing it, go and throw it away today and buy the replacement. I, unfortunately, a week ago now, well, last Sunday on Valentine's Day, was trying to uh, just run a, a knife, my chef's knife, down an onion just to so that I could peel off the skin. And um, it was so dull. And I have known it was so dull for some time that I put too much pressure on it and slid it straight onto my finger and it still hurts now and it's very unpleasant. So just please, if you have a dull (laughs) knife, get rid of it. I mean it, throw it away and go and just buy another one. It's not worth it, really. (laughs) Do you need stitches? Especially not. Oof. Well, no, apparently not. I mean, I'm a coward, so I didn't go to the hospital. I just... (laughs) held it together until it worked <laughs> oh but, but blood everywhere I've got a doctor I assume. friend and oh god yeah there was and i just i messaged my friend who's a doctor i was like so i really don't want to go to a hospital tell me i don't have to and, <laughs> and i was like i'm sorry i don't mean to use you as a doctor but i need a doctor <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah uh no it, it's not worth it don't i've sucked um, but cooking is awesome and I what's, love it. What's your favorite dish? Um, people are going to hate me and call me uh, Gordon Ramsay, sort of uh, British lover. Uh, I love a uh, beef Wellington. It's fantastic. Ah. Um, but I, I'm a fan of all cuisines. I adore sushi and sashimi, uh, so Japanese food. I, I will eat practically anything. I love it. Um, so who knows if there weren't computer networks and there wasn't crypto to play with, I'd probably be just running a YouTube cooking channel. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. All right. Uh, was there anything else you want to talk about? I can go on forever, but, um, I want to be respectful of your time. Did, did we cover everything you wanted to talk about or anything else you want to say? I mean, one, one other thing, three or four listeners, (laughs) (laughs) well another public service announcement i mean if you're if you're like me and you work a lot and you don't stop um something is important is uh take care of your your wrists as a as a computer person any office worker really because i had rsi that was unbelievable um about two years ago now and it lasted a solid six months Jeez. We need to take care of ourselves as office workers. I, I mean, I thought it was a joke. I thought 
you know, you're just being a massive snowflake and I'll just power through it. Mm. Um, but when you're working in an office for 10 hours a day, and then you go home and you program for fun for another four hours a day, uh, it catches up to you quickly. So yeah, rest up people, office workers, and make sure you're sitting in good positions and stuff. Because yeah, that's another thing that I'm slowly beginning to think that health is far more important than money. <laughs> that, that was never the case. <laughs> wow, you you must be getting old. <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a friend of mine, um, very young, got carpal tunnel. Blew my mind. No way. Yeah. That terrifies me. Yeah, he really just ergonomics and genetic lottery and yeah. Yeah. And uh, oh, he's I... managing it, but it's it sucks so yeah no it's one of those things uh your your health you, you can't buy it back um not even so, with ada no not even with ada uh, <laughs> when, when are they gonna hard fork that feature in well charles is talking about here he uh, in one of his latest videos he mentioned that he's gone into some uh trial for regenerative um uh, medicine so he's trying to make himself younger, as I understand it, through medicine. Like now every good supervillain. <laughs> exactly. I mean, realistically, isn't that terrifying? When you get rich these days, what do you spend money on? Staying alive forever. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it used Who to be knew? we'd just freeze ourselves and you know be resurrected in 200 years. But now it's all about nanobots and staying alive forever. So you don't have to be frozen, right? apparently so nanotech sweet amazing stuff. well thanks so much for spending so much time with me i really appreciate i know how busy you are and i really appreciate you uh uh hanging out no, so it's been a real pleasure thanks very much jay